Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of my podcast, Onward Upward, and the first episode with a guest. A great guest at that, Connie Doubly, Managing Director of the C-SPAN Center here at Purdue. We explore some great topics that I think every Lamb School student should know more about, including who is Brian Lamb? What is C-SPAN? Interestingly, you will notice that the title of the podcast actually changes during this episode. When I started recording, my working title was Practically Amazing. By the end of our conversation, I discovered the new and current title, Onward Upward. And I like that this project is fluid, open to change, even in the title. So without further ado, episode two. All right, this is Josh Dexter Weens here with one of the first episodes of my podcast, the Practically Amazing Podcast. And I've got here with me, let me make sure I say your name correctly, Connie Doubly. That's right. Yeah, and uh, Connie's been nice enough to join me this morning on what seems like it's going to be a rainy morning. So well, if, The thunder is already, yeah, I'm hearing the thunder. So if we hear any thunder in the background, please, uh, please excuse the weather-related uh, extra audio. So to start, Connie, could you tell me what, uh, who you are and what your role here is at Purdue? Sure. So I'm Managing Director of the Center for C-SPAN Scholarship and Engagement, which is a mouthful. But this is a center that started at the end of 2017. And our goal is to take the video in the C-SPAN archives and get it into the classroom. Now, for a student, they may say, why should I care? Well, it's the difference between being talked to in a classroom, in a lecture, and being shown examples of whatever the teacher is, is talking about. So C-SPAN's been around since 1979, and since 1987, it has been saving every second of video that it's recorded. So there's 248,000 hours of American political history here. And we thought, you know, this should be being used in the classroom. So that's one of the big things that the center does. It it helps professors find video clips that they can then put in Blackboard or whatever and give to the students for assignments or show them in class as a discussion method or whatever they want to. Yeah, that's great. And one of the reasons I thought you would make a great first interviewee is I think some students in the Lamb School might not even realize what C-SPAN is, who Brian Lamb is. So if you're willing to, let's walk through some of those things so that every listener knows what these different things are. Uh, so I guess a good starting point would be, what is C-SPAN? Sure. Well, it's an acronym, which most people don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be able to know what it stood it for. It stands for Cable Satellite Public Affairs Network. Okay. How boring, right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not really exciting. But yeah, that's what it stands for. And, you know, a young Brian Lamb went to the cable companies uh, in the 1970s and said, I think the House of Representatives should be on television. People should be able to see their government in action or inaction, depending on how you look at it. And, um, uh, you know, the cable television, the, there was, it was very early in the cable television. I mean, it's hard to even imagine now because people are cutting the cord, right? Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. end could be the end of cable television. But then it was just the beginning of cable television. And so the cable television industry said, yeah, maybe, maybe this should happen. So C-SPAN began. And at first it was only on the air when the House of Representatives was in session. At the end of it, go black. <laughs> um, and then it started 24 hours 
and then it started doing call-ins. And then the Senate said, wait a minute, people know the House members better than they do the Senate members. I think we should be on TV too. So C-SPAN said, okay, well, if they're both going to be on, then we have to have a second network because they're both going to be on at the same time. So then C-SPAN 2 got launched. And then after that, C-SPAN 3 got launched because there was so much programming that two networks couldn't handle it. So uh, that's kind of the history of it. It stayed pretty true to its initial idea, which is we don't have to spoon feed you the news. You can watch an event and make up your own mind as to how you feel people are presenting themselves. Um, it's not for everybody, but for somebody who wants to say, you know, I saw, I heard about this Michael Cohen uh, uh, testimony, and it's all every, it's getting all these short clips. And I want to see really what happened. The full testimony. The full testimony. Then yeah. you can go onto your computer and pull it up out of the C-SPAN archives for free and watch it. Yeah, and that's great. I think before I started investigating C-SPAN and what it was. Uh, I definitely didn't know kind of the approach, you know, the non, uh, there are certain networks that say, you know, the no spin zone, you don't get a more no spin zone than we're going to put it on without commentary. That's you right. Know? And without editing. Yeah. Because we don't edit the hearing. We let it play as it happened, complete with demonstrations, people walking out, technical problems uh, of the, you know, of the committee, yeah. uh, it can, you know, all kinds of things can happen. It's, it is live television at its most basic form. Which uh, I'm allowed to be biased. If I were biased, I think that's the antidote to a lot of the issues we have right now in the reporting of news is we'll see clips that are taken out of context or things like that. And a clip's harder to take out of context when you watch it in its natural setting. And that's really one of the things that the archives is bringing to the world is this 30 years of of not just telling not just telling what happened but by showing it in its entirety therefore there is no it, it is what happened so for historians and political scientists looking at you know whatever the liberal or conservative movement of the 90s right now this is golden stuff mm -hmm. um, we think of it only as you know what's happening today but it's really much more than that so you introduced, I want to make sure students are clear on the different components we're talking about. Sure. So we covered C-SPAN, which is the network itself, based mm -hmm. in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. um, then you touched upon the C-SPAN Center. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about the C-SPAN Center in a way that distinguishes it from C-SPAN. Well, I mean, for one, it's based here at Purdue. That's correct. Um, Brian Lamb's alma mater, just okay. in case anybody had any question as to why it's at Purdue. The Absolutely. founder of C-SPAN went to school here. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll make sure to, to walk it back to Brian, too. Sure. The C-SPAN Center, so in one sense, a physical location. We're here in Young Hall, mm -hmm. uh, and your office is here in Young Hall. If students mm -hmm. were ever coming to see you. Um, what are the kind of different ways the student could engage with the C-SPAN Center? Well, the, there are several. The first one we started was our internship program. And that was we have two paid internships every semester and the summer. Mm -hmm. And these are students who actually get a really good deep dive into how C-SPAN works, into the C-SPAN archives, working with professors one-on-one -on -one to pull video clips. Uh, working on projects that we're doing. 
So that's probably a, a pretty high visibility one, and mm -hmm. we're very excited to be able to do that. I've loved working with, with students. Um, the second one is Maymester, which we are doing our very first Maymester that we're sponsoring here this semester. So 24 Purdue students will be going to Washington, D.C. for two weeks for a three-credit course based at C-SPAN, taught by Dr. Robert Browning of the Political Science Department, along with Brian Lamb and others, and will be going out all over Washington to look at the future of political communication. So that's a real... A real key thing, I think, and we'll be doing that every year. And then a the third, yeah. And then the third thing is bringing in people from Washington and from uh, other places where students have the opportunity to really engage with people who are at the top of their craft. So last year we brought Susan Page, who is uh, with USA Today. She's the Washington bureau chief. Has covered eight presidential administrations. This year, we're bringing Doug Mills, who's a New York Times photographer who has been covering presidents since President Reagan and, you know, spends his day almost in the Oval Office. <laughs> um, and he's coming in to talk about political communication as it's done through photography uh, and how that's changing. Uh, so those are the kinds of people we love to bring here in, and they're in conversation with Brian Lamb to try to give people an idea of of what's going on in Washington. And when is Doug Mills coming? He's coming April 3rd okay. at 6 p.m. in Fowler Hall. And for the hour pre prior to that, from 5 to 6, just outside Fowler, there'll be an open reception that students can come to and meet him if they want. And uh, we're also trying to get him into as many classes as possible. That's great. And I'll put on my advisor hat because I know as a student myself, it was fairly common to see these things at night and think, well, I've got other things. I'm used to going to the gym at night or I need to study. Uh, but the few I have gone to, and I'm trying to get better about it, I'm going to see Michael Pollan uh, next week. Excellent. Is you get to see the person in con, I mean, you get to see them physically, which is much different than watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast to throw my podcast under yes, the bus. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but you get to see them in person and some of the stories that they tell. Now, they may be much more advanced in their career, likely, than a student would be. Uh, but you get to hear their stories and maybe learn from their experience. This is somebody who, this is what they took their first step. This is their Absolutely. second step. And even pull it out with questions. Some of the some of the Q&A is some of the most insightful part of the entire presentation. Well, and Brian Lamb uh, always leaves room for Q&A and wants the students to come forward and have an op, you know an opportunity to talk you know with Doug. And Doug's program is going to be very visual because we're going to have lots and lots of his photos up there and there's a story behind every photo. Yeah. So it's kind of like an insider's look at Washington um, that it, that few people get. For example, Doug was in the classroom the day of 9/11 uh, when uh, at the um, uh, presidential advisor leaned down to President Bush and told him that America had been attacked. And he took the photos that are now very famous of, uh, of President Bush's kind of reaction, knowing that he was in with a bunch of students, young students, couldn't really do anything. But there's this really amazing kind of thing that happened there that Doug caught on video for history. Well, and there are so many questions you'd like to ask, like, do you have an emotional reaction during situations like that? Or Absolutely. are you so used to it that you no longer emotionally engage? Well, he didn't know it happened. 
So he's just shooting, thinking that the advisor had leaned down to Bush. It was only afterwards to my, that I understand it, that, that he found out. And then the rest of his day, he was with the president and he had pictures of the F-15s flying next to, um, to Air Force uh, One. Uh, with along with President Bush that day as they were, you know, flying to the different places and, and what, you know, everything that happened. So it's amazing. And it it's is. a that's a it seems like the C-SPAN Center is definitely achieving its goal of bringing interesting folks right here. So yeah, students we hope so. uh, can engage with them. Now, this Maymester trip, do you mm-hmm. plan on it being a recurring event? So if students had kind of missed the boat this year, but said that sounds really interesting, I'd like to go next year. Uh, it will be happening again next summer. Absolutely, we'll oh. have a different theme next summer, uh, next for next May. Uh, but we will uh, again begin in usually uh, early February to ask for applications, and then uh, it's a very, it's a pretty easy application process. But we have a deadline that we are very strict about, and um, once we get all the applications, we look at them. Uh, and this year we had 30 applications and we cho- are choosing 24 applicants to go. That's the max we mm-hmm. can really take. Um, so, yes, every year. Every year. So students can put it on their radar for future years. Absolutely. Where will the students be staying? They're staying at UCDC, the University of California, District of Columbia campus, which is right downtown Washington. And uh, it is the uh, statewide campus for California where different schools bring in students to Washington and stay there. But they also rent out the dorm rooms to student other students from other colleges who are coming in for programs like this. Oh, that's great. So there's going to be a University of Tennessee Maymester program the same time that uh, the students will be able to meet with, you know, meet some other students from a different part of the country. Meet, meet some volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, now let's backtrack, and I'm going to put on my internship director hat. Sure. And so you have two interns. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason we're talking today is we're getting ready to recruit for summer interns and fall interns. Correct. Uh, and you will have, over the summer, two interns, and those interns will start, wait, do we remember the start date? The 3rd of June. 3rd of June and end? Uh, J- the Friday before classes start in the fall. So June, July, mostly two months then mm-hmm. over it the is. summer. Yes. And then we'll have separate interns who basically do the fall term. So we're looking for four different students That's right. uh, all together. Now, you did mention pay. Do you know what the pay rate is? It's at $11. $11. And what does an ideal applicant look like? What What do you look for when you look through applications, when sure. you interview? Well, I'm interested in people who are engaged with their world and want to be continue to be engaged, who are interested in the C-SPAN experience, and who are interested in learning how to research in the archives uh, kind of enjoy that prospect. Um, for the fall, I'll also be interested in students who would, are in, are, want to help out with our fall research conference, which we do, which is kind of one-on-one with professors coming in from around the country and want to be engaged in that, in that process. Um, I think that's it. You know, uh, it's, it's, we, we do a lot of, of good work here and, Two of our uh, two of our interns are applicants for summer internships in Washington D.C. at C-SPAN right now. Oh, that's great! So we should know. And pretty probably soon, looked so. pretty good on the application that they'd worked with the C-SPAN Center. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> never hurts. Yeah, and I, w- I would emphasize because I just always trying to get home to students when they're applying. I think this engagement, the things you've talked about, but also them being able to show 
that they show up to things on time and they're responsible are all kind of Mm -hmm. the baseline expectations, right? There are baseline. And I ask them actually to sign an agreement with me at the beginning of the internship. And basically that agreement is that they will be on time, that, uh, you know, if it's, uh, that they get a couple chances, but if it's, if it's a chronic problem, then they should, then they shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I ask them to uh, dress in an appropriate way. Uh, somewhat like you would if you were working at C-SPAN. That's not high dress. That mm-hmm. just means they don't come in shorts and sandals because we never know who we're going to be welcoming here to the center. Um, and that they purport themselves in, in a demeanor that is reflective of the C-SPAN non-partisan um, uh, nature. So we don't sit around in the C-SPAN center and say, I think the president should do this, and I think the president should do that. We don't. We talk about what is going on in Washington. We investigate and research into the archives about what's going on. But it is a somewhat nonpartisan nature when we're working here. What the students want to say outside here is fine, but that's great practice for them in the real world, I think. Because prospective employers... uh, for the most part, are not interested in hearing an applicant's personal opinions. However, they want to know that they're engaged and they know what's going on in the world. So it's just, it's just good practice for them. Uh, when we met recently, you called it the C-SPAN way. It is the C-SPAN way. And I really liked way. that. I liked that approach. And <laughs> yeah. from, from working in a career for about 12 years now myself, there are times where you get directives and you you're not supposed to react to them. You're supposed to carry them out. And it's much easier if you can stay balanced and say, well, it's my job to carry this thing out versus have a very positive or negative evaluation about what I've been told to do. So it's good training for future crew. And there are times where you're asked, what's your opinion? And you give it then, but not when it's not asked for necessarily. Exactly. Well, that's great. So we've touched on the internships, the Mm -hmm. C-SPAN Center, C-SPAN. I don't think we've talked about the archives yet. Uh, and it was important for me to kind of understand how all these things are different. So the archives, the way I understand, is a physical space over close to us here at Purdue, but a little ways off in Purdue. I always get uh, the research park. Mm-hmm. I always get the research park oh, yeah. and Discovery Park exactly. and all these different parks uh, confused. Over by the credit union as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so a physical building yes. where there are there's physical tape. There's servers. There's all these different things that are housing both data and physical objects that kind of capture all these hours of C-SPAN. Right. So they have all kinds of satellite uh, downloads that bring in the uh, in the signal, and they record it digitally now. So there's no tape anymore. The tape that is located at the archives right now is the tape that was recorded between 1979 and 1987, which has all been digitized, but they haven't. But they don't throw that old videotape away. Um, so everything is recorded out there, but recording of it is just a small part of it. Every one of these programs has to have an abstract written for it. It has to be tagged. So that you, as the user, can go into your, you know, your laptop and and type in, uh, you know, op- opioid addiction or, um, you know, university problems or whatever, and can find programs that will uh, 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 talk and, and have programs about those kinds of issues. So that's a big deal. That takes a lot of doing. Plus, when you're talking about the sheer volume of two hundred forty-eight thousand hours of video. And uh, 
it's, it's a lot to maintain technically. Um, you can clip these videos. You can make your own account in these videos. It's absolutely free. So let's say you have an account and you go into a program and you say, geez, you know, this is a great two minutes. I want to share this with my friend or my mom or whatever. You can make that clip and then you can just cut and paste the URL into an email and send it to somebody. They hit on it and it'll show them that clip. So it's pretty cool in the, in the very kind of ease, uh, you know, friendly way that the, that the archives works. And that's great because you touched on the interplay between the C-SPAN Center and the C-SPAN Archives. That's right. So one of the things the C-SPAN Center wants to do is let folks know these tools exist. Exactly. So if I was a student, and I think a good example was I'm giving a speech in a class and I say I would love to include a clip, what I mm -hmm. think would be very impressive to your instructor to have mm -hmm. found your own clip that relates. Uh, how would I go about learning how to do that? So the best way to do it would be for them to uh, contact me and I will send them our tutorial, which is a three-minute YouTube tutorial that will get them started and kind of walk them through, you know, how to, how to search for a name of a person, how to search for an issue, how to search for a date, and give them examples. Once they do that, most students, I think, are going to go, okay, so here's all of my options. And there's really no right or wrong after that. It's you dig in and you find out and do it the way that's most comfortable for you. But the center is here to help any student that wants to. And, um, and all they have to do is email me or stop by or send us, you know. And they would find you if they were to, a Google search would be Purdue C-SPAN Center. Mm -hmm. They would find you among the leadership there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then your email, go ahead and state it out for me. Sure. It's C-D-O-E-B-E-L-E -E -E at Purdue.edu. Perfect. And I'll, I will be doing my job if you get 500 emails uh, tomorrow. Absolutely. We'd be, su <laughs> we'd be successful. Uh, so that's great. Um, now we've looked at C-SPAN, C-SPAN Archive, C-SPAN Center. I want to jump back to the interns uh, mm -hmm. because I think one of the things I'm emphasizing to students is they think through when they're looking at an internship and maybe weighing, you know, two options or which of these is the right. best for me, thinking through what they're going to gain. So what kinds of skills, experience, and how they would talk about those to potential employers. So if you were selling someone on this sure. internship and you said, these are the experiences and the transferable skills I think you'll get from being an intern with me, how would you sell us? So the first one I'm going to give you has nothing to do with skills. It has to do with the C-SPAN name. The C-SPAN name is very well respected. And so having that name on your resume is, is I would say, 99% of the time going to be a positive mm -hmm. going forward. In terms of the skills that you get, you get um, the research skills are phenomenal uh, because it shows an employer that you have actually spent some time thinking about bigger issues and have gotten the technical ability to do that. Um, I think also being involved in the uh, publicity and or just event organization uh, is always looked upon as something that's um, positive for potential employers. And I guess those would be the top three. And, and for the student, you know, I try to make this a kind of a, a, a student level 
real world experience. So when this, when the interns come in, we meet, you know, every day we say, okay, what are our goals here today? What do we want to get done? There's an opportunity for them to jump in. I'm always asking the interns, give me your advice on how do I reach students about this coming event or that. I mean, they're the ones who know. So hopefully they will, they do see it as a team kind of uh, atmosphere. And that's great because I think one of the things that's exemplified by your answer is the type of answer that a potential, as someone moving from intern into career would give, you know, which is you've got to find engaging ways to talk about your experience because the first step is they're going to look through that resume and see C-SPAN and that's your first step. Hopefully that gets you through top of that pile of resumes. Mm -hmm. But then the second step is you're sitting in that interview and your resume is that that step one is done now and you've got to learn i call it speaking things into existence and so the way you talk about an experience is as important as the experience itself and so your answer was a great example of how a student might answer that question too absolutely absolutely and i i i think finally i would just mention another thing is that Students who have had good experiences here and who have worked hard, I am more than willing to be a, a, a reference for them. And I've already written uh, several references. Uh, one of the students has gone on to be an intern at the state legislature in Indiana. And um, another one is working to get into grad school. So, you know, I'm very much open for students who, who show that they're very serious about this and interested in this kind of work to be able to help them in any way I can with, with their career. And that's a great reference because a lot of times students will ask me for, say, a letter of reference. And some of them I know well and I'm comfortable with it. And some of them I have to say, you know, I, I haven't been able to see you on, you know, a weekly basis, a daily basis to be able to evaluate you well enough. But I'm sure your letter of reference is from direct experience. Absolutely. You know, and then I can great. give examples of things that they have done because I work very closely with them. And I think that does make a difference when you come down to a reference, that it's not coming from someone who, you know, has been asked and really doesn't know. Yeah. Um, so let's tie this all together okay. and end with who's Brian Lamb? Because one of the things that I find <laughs> with students is they don't necessarily know who he is, why he's important to, uh, to Purdue. And I think that's something that if I were heading into an interview and the Brian Lamb School communication was on my resume. I'd want to. I'd want to know it, right? So, Absolutely. So tell us who who is Brian. So Brian uh, is your pretty average kid. Was in in Lafayette. Uh, he always says he was a C student, not actually that engaged. Which is great because uh, sometimes I have students who think their GPA is going to determine the rest their of their whole future, thing, right? Right, uh, and. Uh, from a very early age, though, Brian was interested in the world and what was going on in his government. And he, uh, you know, graduated from Purdue, uh, decided he should go to law school, uh, lasted, was it one day or two days in law school? In law school. And, and, yeah, and said, I hate this. Oh, man. This is not what I'm, and, ha you know, was smart enough to say, this is not where I want to go. A great life back. lesson, right? It is a life yeah. lesson. Not everything we step into is, you finish. know, is the right step. Stepped back, uh, went into the military for a while, worked in Washington for a while, and then the more he started seeing uh, different things, he uh, was a reporter for Cablevision, 
uh, magazine for a while. So he started seeing what the cable industry was doing and he started seeing this possible synergy between something that he thought was necessary, which was um, the ability for people across the country to be able to see their government. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that Brian saw this because he came from a very kind of small area. This is not, you know, Lafayette is not a big city. And therefore, his ability to get that national news was completely controlled by the three major networks, as far as television was concerned. He thought they had way too much control. And um, so, the, you know, he, he started kind of pulling this apart and figuring this out and then was able to get uh, the cable industry official, actually just one, to hand him a check for, you know, one check and said, okay, let's give it a try. And, you know, that, and that's when C-SPAN was born. And he stayed very clear to his mission. You know, we don't go off and do things that uh, might have made money for the network, for instance, or gained it more influence. Very strict to the mission. And, um, and so there's this nonprofit, you know, company now that does not, is, its programming is not dependent on the latest ratings uh, because there are no ratings. And um, we can actually do the kind of work that he sees important and that his 200 and some, 60 some, I think, employees who work for him now see as important. And the network is well respected. You know, it gets people joke about it. Uh, it's on Saturday Night Live all the time, <laughs> as you know, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. And things are never going to swing and twirl and have 60,000 graphics on the screen because that's not important. So we kind of stick with the important part. And that's all really came from Brian's leadership. Um, and then, you know, when I worked there, I worked for Brian uh, at C-SPAN for about 25 years. And it was always a phenomenal experience for him to come up with an idea and be able to work to make it come true, like the morning show, Washington Journal or Book TV, which has become very popular. Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, I think it's a testament to somebody who follows their dream, who sticks to their mission, who is not involved in the fluff, let's say, of Washington um, and who um, has, you know, has a group of people who, who share that, that mission. Home, well, it makes me think of is the Washington Post tagline, democracy dies in the dark, mm -hmm. uh, except for Washington Post, obviously <laughs> does have some, some bias. Uh, that could, that's probably more appropriate for C-SPAN, bringing <laughs> yeah. things to the light. To the light, yeah. Well, um, you know, it's not perfect. But, but the employees at C-SPAN work very hard to make sure that the various sides of any issue uh, get the opportunity to be heard. So if a hearing, you know, a congressional hearing is done on one side of an issue, you can bet that thought is being given to next time another side of that issue comes up that our cameras will be there because we feel, and there's not just two sides to, you know, any, any issue. There's multiple sides to an issue. So it's, um, it's not black and white, uh, but it's, it, it, it is uh, great that there is this network that really works on trying to show all different sides of an issue. 
And let's let's backtrack. So when you were interviewing, were you interviewed directly by Brian to be hired back in the day, or was there a human resources manager involved at the time? Or uh, the answer to that was, uh, I did get an interview with Brian, um, and then I was interviewed three times by a vice president. Um, so, so yeah, four rounds. I, it, well, it was hard. Yeah, it was not easy to get a job there. Even and this was 1984. So I was working on Capitol Hill, and I saw C-SPAN, and I said, "This is the kind of journalism I really want to do." And uh, I worked for, I don't know, maybe six months trying to get in, and I wasn't getting a job. And so I said, "Okay, I'm going to go work on my master's." It's, you know, it's time to get off of Capitol Hill. So I went to American University and started working on my master's. And of course, three months into my first semester, C-SPAN calls and says, would you like to work the weekends? And I said, absolutely. So I worked the weekends. And then just as I was getting ready to go back for the fall semester for my master's degree, they said, we'd like you to come and and be a producer. And, and so you had to hit the pause button on I absolutely your did. master's degree in the same way Brian hit uh, it, the yeah. pause button on his well, law degree. It was one of the most important decisions of my life. Yeah. And, you know, my ego told me that I had to have a master's and that I had to do it in that way, which I shouldn't be saying in an educational <laughs> podcast. But I looked at this little company and I said, you know that master's is always going to be there, but this little company is really my kind of journalism, no matter if nobody, you know, hardly knows. You believed what's going in it. On. I really did believe yeah. in it. And then, um, and I'm, so, you know, I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I hadn't gone to C SPAN because it gave, C SPAN gave me opportunities to travel the world, to learn about things I never would have learned about, uh, to cover the Supreme Court to uh, start book TV. I mean, it was, it's, it's just been an amazing, amazing ride. And so now taking that experience and coming to Purdue and being able to say, I want to be able to, to work with students so that they can see, you know, the beauty of this archives and how they can use it in their classroom and how their presentations can be so much, you know, cooler. Uh, yeah, that's just like the right next right step for me. Yeah, and that's great because one of my goals in starting this podcast is to help students hear career journeys because mm -hmm. I think as a culture, that's just not something we do very often. Often we know mom, dad, and uncle where they work, maybe what their job title is, right. but not how they got to that place, yeah. not yeah, what yeah, their yeah. plans are for the future. Sure. Uh, and so from your story, hearing about being able to adapt on the fly, I think is a really important lesson for students. Yeah. You know, you adapted by... You know, this isn't working out, so I'm going to go to grad school. Right. But then when a new opportunity arose, you know, you kind of took advantage of that opportunity because you knew, and it fit your uh, your values too. It which, did. which I think is really important for students nowadays is finding companies and cultures that fit their values. Absolutely. And you knew what it was, you knew it fits you, and obviously it was the right move to make because it led to 25 years. Abs yeah, and you know, it's it, it really is. I kind of... When I'm talking to students here, I always talk to them about, you know, the horse blinders that they that obviously, you know, there's so much pressure under them. They're looking about exactly what they want to do. And then I want to go do this. And then I want to go do this. And I keep saying, keep saying to them, that's all great. But if you just open up those blinders a little bit more, you, you might not miss an experience that may not seem at the time to be the perfect fit, but 
for six months, for a year, it can give, it can open up your world to a completely new thing that you don't even know exists yet. Especially when it comes to an internship. Absolutely. I've had students in just this past week who say, I've got an offer. It doesn't necessarily fit what I want to do, you know, and often my advice is I'll keep looking for one, but if you do something that you think it's not what you want to do, but it's finite also. So if it's three months over the summer, continue it with excellence, even if it's not what you want to do, because part of your long-term career journey will be that there may be entire years where you're not in the job you want to be, but you need to keep it going. And so I always tell them, you know, don't discount the internships that might not look like they're right within your blinders because you never know whether your story is going to be, I took this internship, wasn't exactly... Oh, and it was exactly what it I wanted, exactly and my career what, has kind of blossomed because of it, right? Or it wasn't exactly what I wanted, and I knew never to go in that direction again, yeah. which, you know, it can be a plus-minus kind right. of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am such a big believer in internships, and, um, you know, if I hadn't gotten an internship at WIBW Television in Topeka, Kansas in 1976, uh, oh my God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I keep thinking each one built on the next thing. And, uh, and I was just trying to keep up with it. almost. Yeah. Uh, and if I had kept the blinders on and kept too narrow of a focus, I would have missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear kind of your journey included and how students can learn from it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope so. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with My me. My pleasure. Is there, Good luck is there, on the podcast. Thanks. Is there anything else you want our undergrads to know that we haven't covered yet today? Just that I, you know, uh, this is such an open door here. And I hope that they will use the C-SPAN Center in any way they want to. You know, I'm, I'm here for them. Yeah, and hopefully we've given them some ideas in terms of how they can use in the classroom. Absolutely. Uh, how they could go on the... DC trip, mm -hmm. how they could intern, all these different things. And hopefully they'll uh, come see Richard Miles here coming up soon too. Uh, so thanks again for your time. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll chat again in a year and how th see how things are going, but I really appreciate it. And hopefully we don't get, uh, the lightning doesn't get to us. <laughs> in the Brian Lamb uh, uh, phraseology, onward and upward. Onward and upward. <laughs> I might have to steal that oh, tagline. That's great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So there it was, my first real episode, and I did decide to steal that tagline and not only use it as a tagline, but make it the title of my podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. I definitely enjoyed the excuse to chat with Connie. She's currently, as of March 25th, recruiting summer and fall interns. For information on those internships, look at the Lamb School and College of Liberal Arts internship sites. If you have any trouble finding those sites, just shoot me a quick email at jdexter at purdue.edu. That's J-D-E-X-T-E-R. Again, thanks for hanging with me. I know the audio on this episode wasn't the best. It, as well as my interviewing skills, will hopefully improve as we go. So have a great day, and thanks for tuning in.